Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. In the energy space, there are some very critical things going on. More importantly, what are we going to do with the next generation of the workforce? How is even the energy transition going to happen if nobody's actually there? Do you think that we actually have energy where you plug it into the wall and it happens without alignment? If you're warm today, hug a lineman. If you're warm tomorrow, hug an oil guy. If you're really going to work on it, hug somebody from the nuclear industry. I've got an action-packed discussion today. I've got Molly Detterman, and I she is with, she's the president at the Energy Workforce Technology Council. Welcome, and thank you so much for stopping by. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'll tell you, you know, I butcher everybody's name, so I hope that I just ruined your No, you got it. Oh, wow. I'm I'm going to break my arm, pat myself on the back. Yeah. Everybody takes for granted just plugging your plug in the wall, you know, and then as soon as it doesn't work, uh, it's like all of a sudden now it's a crisis. Right. Right. Well, there there's definitely a misunderstanding of where energy comes from and what the energy mix looks like, I think, currently and in the future. And so, um, yeah, we've all got our hands full um, trying to you know, do a better job of educating people about what the energy industry is. Right. So uh, with the council, uh, you also had some great, you have some great overseas uh, folks and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us uh, what your main goal is trying to help get the next generation in here and tell us what's on your plate right now. Yeah. So we're the um, National Trade Association representing energy services and equipment companies. So like our members would be like um, SLB, Baker Hughes, Halliburton, it goes and then it goes like all the way down the supply chain. Um, and so our companies are the ones that are actually like out there and working in the field and producing the equipment and also providing the services. And so, um, the, you know, I feel like what our job is and that we are doing on behalf of our member companies and with our member companies is a couple of things is sharing best practices amongst the member companies about like how we can make our companies um, a great place to work so that when we get people in to our industry, it's a place that they really want to stay. But then also talking about like how we get those people in. And these are competitors that come together and are talking about this, but everybody recognizes that like, we have a bigger job than our individual companies. Like this is an industry-wide challenge that we are better off when we're working together. And so that's one of the things that I'm really impressed by is like how these competitors come together and are willing to share uh, in order to make everybody else better. Isn't that great? Um, Now there are some really big challenges and uh, you know, uh, Michael Tanner is my uh, partner in crime and po- uh, podcast. He's a young millennial. Uh, how do we get past that millennial stereotype? Because there are so many that are great, great workers, but that don't sit in their parents' basement. It's true. And technically, I am the first year of millennials. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> 
Wow. Right here too. Um, but you know, and there's also like I think it's like 17 million um Gen Z workers that have already already entered the workforce too. Right. So we're talking about multiple generations that are really driven by the why behind their work. And it's not just about the paycheck. Um, and I would say even more so with Gen Z, we're seeing that they are willing to take a lower um, salary to do like what fits their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be like, and that is especially challenging for energy services companies when we're talking about like you're out in the field and you're working these shifts and you right. might be gone for a couple of weeks at a time. And so like there's that aspect of like the actual like hours of the job and that type of thing. But then right. there's like the, the values alignment. And so when there's a misperception about our industry, as there is, right. uh, that's a, a hurdle that we have to overcome because we know that this is a great place to work. If you want to be part of a lower carbon future, this is the industry to be a part of. Like you can right. be part of solving complex challenges, but we have to communicate that, that the values align. And I think that they are shocked to learn that the oil and gas industry values align with their values when it comes to sustainability or even like the cultural things. Um but we do align, but we have to communicate that. So it's like this big communications barrier that we have to work on. Boy, you just opened up, Molly, you just opened up a bunch of squirrels. I mean, you let you just walked over, opened up that cage, because all of a sudden we find out that we have to have oil and gas. And over in Dubai in COP28, they said, you know, here's uh, COP28. Uh, I, I mean, I'm bringing up some really ugly points here. Uh, but when, you know, you have Kerry over there, he flies over on his personal jet. And then you have the head of the EI, uh, the uh, UAE and COP28 is an oil guy. And I mean, it was you can't buy this kind of entertainment when they say, oh, we're going to need oil and gas in order to um, make an energy transition when we can. Right now, I'm sorry. I'm. I love being a Texican because oil and gas folks love the environment. You can love the environment and Absolutely. still be in oil and gas and know that you have uh, Schlumberger, you have all of the great folks that are doing oil field service are some of the best ecological ESG folks on the planet. I'm I'm sorry for saying that, but they are. No, it's true. And that's and that's where I think that um, we're having to work um, in a different way than we have before in communicating, because for a long time, the industry was like, we know that about ourselves. We know that we want things to continue to be better. We want to continue to do things um, better. And so. We just were like, well, we'll just put our heads down and the work will prove itself. And so, but, and in that way, then we let other people own the narrative. Right. And so now we're having to come back and we're still like, we have some really great people that are out and speaking externally on behalf of the industry. Right. But we need more people doing that. 
do you think the you know what I'm finding in this Molly? This sounds kind of weird, but uh, I think the only reason uh, that besides being a game show host, you know, in my former <laughs> life, right. um, is that people like humor, but they're also tired of the mainstream media. And before you and I were chit chatting about uh, the mainstream media, and you you have a degree in journalism, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of sad that we have to step away and that organizations and podcasts, you've been on a bunch of podcasts and interviews, you have to spread the word out manually almost, if you would. It's true. And I think that there's a lot of distrust of mainstream media as well. And so people are going to podcasts like yours because it's a longer form narrative. And we can make up our own minds if we agree with the you know, right. guest or the host, like everybody, like we're critical thinkers. Like we're not saying that, you know, we're going to listen to the podcast and we're going to agree with everything everybody's saying. But I think that people, people appreciate this format because you can get more, you feel like you get more of the story. Right. And, and it's not just, uh, you know, I believe that we need to deliver the lowest kilowatt per hour to everyone on the planet to eliminate energy poverty by delivering the lowest kilowatt per hour with the least amount of impact on the environment mm-hmm. and sustainable and sustainable means you cannot print money. Well, uh, I love wind. I love solar. I've got it on my houses. I love it. But you know what? It cannot function every day. It does not meet the needs of societal low cost energy because you have to print money. Right. And I don't think that there's a great understanding of that, of how an energy mix um, has that's you know good and reliable, has a variety of sources. Right. Uh, and that, to your point earlier, the, the renewable supply chain relies on oil and gas in order to provide that. So it's all like all forms of energy, more of all forms of energy is what's needed. Uh, oh, but too, like I think that people are surprised when they hear an oil and gas representative saying that they're like, "Oh, you want more of renewables? Absolutely, absolutely. I want more. I want more access to all of the forms of energy." You know, Chris Wright over there at Liberty Frag and Liberty Energy is—he's one of my heroes. Uh, and I, I uh, next time I see him, I'll give him a hug. But you know, he. Uh, he 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 is who I years ago uh, I saw him speak and I got to uh, meet him and he has the humanity first methodology of energy and they do their oil field service work. Uh, he electrified his uh, uh, frack fleet and and is looking at nuclear and he signed the. Uh, oil and gas um, uh, executives for nuclear that is headed up by Doug uh, Sandridge. And I love that aspect of an oil and gas service company touting nuclear as well as electrification and getting rid of the carbon footprint. I'm like, wow. That's right. That's exactly where I feel like most of our member companies are at as well. They're also, Liberty's also involved in geothermal too. Isn't that great? Right. And a lot of the um, drillers have gotten involved in geothermal as well. Um, like if you can drill a hole in the ground to get oil and gas. And I, 
Molly, wait, I, wait. we need. I got a new member for you, and that is the Uranium Group. I'll go get. Uh, I just interviewed them, and they're also drilling. If you can drill a hole, they're getting uranium mining out of it. That's wild. I mean, and that's the thing, then. And that's what's one of the things that's so cool about this sector is that our technologies apply across energies, and you know the companies are looking and seeing like what do they do specifically. What does it like? Where is it best applied across different forms of energy, oh. and then like can make their company money, and then that is where they will get invested, and that's what will also provide long term involvement in that as well. Like the companies are not like us; they're not not for profits, and so oh. we have to oh, yeah. we have to find ways to like make it make sense to the technology that we're already providing. You know, some of the things that are just amazing is that as um, I saw this TikTok, I don't do TikTok. Somebody had to forward it to me. I, I can't even spell TikTok. And and it, you know, I, I can't even spell AI. You know, I, I don't know. But you know, we sit back and this girl was crying in the car and she said, my husband uh, is a trade. He went to trade school and not college. And he's got a trade school and he's made more in the first four months than I did with my master's. There's a lot to be said for having a trade uh, skill. And I love all the guys that are out on the field and, and everything else. And where I'm going with this is that solar installers are having some serious problems. They're going bankrupt right now. Uh, if you want a job, Go look at energy jobs and not think it has to be solar. It has to be wind. Open the eyes up. And I think I just did a commercial for you. You did. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, not only are we having to, like, um, educate people that are outside of our industry, we are working on educating the people that are within our industry as well. Like, the people that work at our member companies don't necessarily... Um, know the full picture like they're you know they came in because they needed they needed money and they needed a job and they came in and they're working and they're like you know doing their very specific piece of their job and they're not aware of the full breadth of like what what the oil and gas industry is about and then they feel like they have to apologize to their friends for working in the oil and gas industry yeah and we don't want we don't want that. Like, and so we have an education job not only to do with people outside the industry, but within our industry as well, so that then they can become advocates for our industry. Isn't that cool? Um, and and the oil and gas space, Molly, had uh, the that space has not done a great job in the past bragging about the goodness. I mean, like uh, Chris Wright, who we've just mentioned, and Alex Epstein, who I've also uh, interviewed, mm-hmm. um, their humanity. Oil yeah. and gas has elevated more people out of poverty than anything else. I mean, coal, but we're trying to get away from coal. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing that really resonates about uh, Chris's message is he has numbers and like everything to to back up what he's saying um i think that that has um and they also do a really good job of like reaching out 
in different ways than what we traditionally have. And so like, you know, they're on TikTok. Um, Shell has a program where they're reaching out to people on Fortnite. Like, wow. Right. And so like, it's those types of like out of the box, like reaching out to people that like really has a better chance of making an impact and getting through it. And I think that the companies that do that are going to see a lot of success. And so the companies that are not doing that currently, I think will like go in that direction because they're going to, we're going to have to operate differently than we have in the past in order to reach people. If we want, if we want to bring in the new generations of talent, like that's, it requires out of the box thinking. One of the things um, that one of our member companies talked about at our people and culture committee um, a couple of months ago is we were talking about, um, you know, field workers and how we bring people into the industry. And they said that they are, uh, one of the member companies said that they are piloting um, field workers, hiring them as like gig workers. So like think about like Uber drivers. Right. Um, as long as they have technical competencies that they can pass, that, that right. they can come in and out and work as they want to. Um, and I thought, how how would this work? Like, I, I don't y'all need consistency? But they they have been able to find enough people that want to do that in the region where they've been testing it, that it's been working. They said the only downside that they've seen so far is there's been some additional administrative costs that they didn't project. But that it's not the issue has not been that it's like not working, like it's been working. And so the other member companies are like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Like, tell me more. And and they've been willing to share. And so some of the other member companies have been taking that back and looking at like trying it. Would this also apply to an offshore hand? So I want to go get a tan and I just sign up for a weekend, you know, going to an offshore rig. I'm ready. I mean, I'm sure like offshore, there's a certain amount of time that you would have to like commit to to, in order to like make it worthwhile to get you out. I'm going to go out for the day. No, that ain't going to (laughs) work. Yeah, right. So that way, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, and I just think like that, like out of the box thinking is what's exciting and like that our member companies are willing to try it. Um, Last year also, I guess this was the year before, um, our member companies came to us and they were like, we have like, you know, y'all do these leadership programs um, and you do them for management and, you know, all of that. But like where we really need it is in the field. And so we were like, okay, all right, we're going to figure this out. And so we started it um, and it has been like people are thirsty uh, to send their field workers through the leadership training. And that I feel like is is going to really help make cultural change, because when we have initiatives like DEI initiatives and we're talking about like what are the barriers to carrying them out within the organizations, it is getting deeper within the organization. Right. And so this, the leadership trainings are doing that. We had, um, I think it was one of our first ones, one of our, our first field leadership trainings where um, I was talking to one of the, the guys kind of over lunch. And he said, he realized that he had hazed people on his team. 
He had what? He had hazed people. Oh, no way. On his team. And he said he did it because he had been hazed. And so, hmm. and this is for like a large public company that had definitively has policies against this. I'm and sorry. The new guy is open season. I don't care. I mean, if you're a new guy and you want to come in and be stupid, you're open season for be me. Be stupid, sure. But this is just like, this was their, this was his way of like bringing anybody on and like teaching them. With, and so he was like, and, and he's like, and I realized like, I don't have to do that. Like, he's like, it doesn't like, he's like, I didn't realize I was doing it, but now I know I'm doing it. and. Oh. It doesn't sit well with me. And he's like, and I like, I now understand that I can lead in a different way. And like, that is how we're going to help change or the organizations that want, want to make that cultural change. Like that oh. is, um, I love seeing that. I, I do too, but you can't buy good stew. Have you seen those on LinkedIn or any of the others where you see that guy in the construction outfit? And uh-huh. you see something stupid going on, and he's like, and then it goes to another one or some. Uh, Ed Davidson yeah. is one of the best ones out there that is absolutely pointing out all the really stupid things that can go wrong with uh, job sites. Right. Yeah. Well, and you don't like everybody wants to go home safe. Everybody like, and and you don't you don't want for people to feel unsafe or do stupid things on the job. Right. But I think that um, and that's where like our HSC and people and culture committees have come together. And I would say also on our board and advisory board, like it's I feel like everybody within all of the organizations are talking about like, how do we blend all of this? Like the changes that we're trying to make culturally with maintaining, um, you know, a safe environment. And so yeah. I think that I think that they're figuring out ways to do that. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'll tell you. I just I appreciate the leadership in our uh, great energy companies uh, in the United States. And Molly, I'll tell you what, uh, you got your work cut out for you. Um, uh, What's coming around the corner next for you and uh, what's coming around the next for the corner for the uh, committee? Yeah, Um, you know, I think that um, we've really been focused on, you know, changing the narrative around the oil and gas industry um, and aligning like what our message is. And so I think we've, we've really kind of honed in on what that is and are now taking that forward. And so, like I I mentioned earlier, like um, helping our workforce to become ambassadors for the industry and giving them actual tools. um, And then, um, you know, and then also continuing to message that externally. Who would be the next victims? I mean, excuse me. I mean, people that you would want to either, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Who are the next folks, victims, if you would, that are you're trying to reach? Are you trying to reach also the Schlumberger's of the world? Or are you trying to also get to raw workers? Who is your reach trying to get to? So we have um, access to companies like, um, SLB and all those, like those are our member companies that are on our board. And those are the ones that are leading the direction of the association. Right. And so they are the ones that are kind of telling us like um, what, what they want us focused on. Um, right. And so, yeah. And so we go from there and then they're the ones that are coming together and are sharing best practices. Well, that's, uh, I'll tell you, 
Um, I, I enjoy talking to everyone. So if you ever need to get a story out with any of them, I would love to do that and interview both of you as well, too. So. Okay. Uh, Molly and uh, your website uh, for the uh, Energy Workforce and Technology Council. I will I'll have it in the show notes as well. But what is it just off the energyworkforce.org? Okay. Oh, hey, that was easy. Even I could do that one. <laughs> and uh, you're you're on LinkedIn, uh, Molly, uh, and I will have that in the show notes as well, too. Is there any other way folks can follow you or reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, reach out on LinkedIn. Um, you can also sign up for our emails. We don't bombard people, um, but we do talk about like what's going on in our sector and also like policy insights and how um, those, you know, what's going on in the sector and how policies are impacting that and what we're what we're doing about that. So that sounds fantastic. And and enjoy your uh Mardi Gras uh, outfit vacation, I believe, is what you're getting ready to go on. Yes, in Mobile, so Alabama. So I'll be back. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Steve.